Since RDR, the Level 4 Diploma is the minimum qualification for a financial planner. Higher up the scale, a Level 6 Chartered Status or Certified Status. What do consumers prefer when looking for a financial advisor? Do they know the difference? And will the minimum standard be raised to a mandatory level six in the future? My guest today helps advisors achieve success in their qualifications. It can be a complex journey and Katrina offers some great tips on how to make it through. Listen to her thoughts on the differences between chartered and certified status and how to plan for a great result. Hear her prediction about whether Level 6 will become the new minimum standard. That's all right here in Episode 40 of the Marketing, Protection and Finance Podcast. Welcome. You're listening to The Podcast for providers and advisors looking to share business ideas and inspiration in the world of protection and finance. you can find the show notes and links to things we talked about at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash mpaf so let's get on with the show and here's your host roger edwards hello and welcome to episode 40 of the empath podcast 40 episodes that's almost a year we've been going now And before we get into that insightful interview with Katrina Standingford, I'd just like to thank everyone for listening to the last 40 episodes and your encouraging feedback and comments. I'm truly delighted that you choose to plug the Empath podcast into your headphones each week. Can I just ask you two quick favours? If you have two minutes, please leave me a review on iTunes. Just go to rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and that'll take you to the iTunes page where you can leave a review. It'll help others find the podcast and let more people discover the business ideas and success stories of financial services industry experts. Secondly, as we approach the first anniversary, how would you like to see the podcast evolve? Should I refresh the format? Who would you like to hear on the show? Are there any other quick-fire business questions you'd like to hear answered? Either visit rogeredwards.co.uk and click on the Get In Touch tab or catch me on Twitter at roger underscore edwards. Thanks again for your support. And now, let's get to that fascinating chat with Katrina Standingford, right here on the Marketing, Protection and Finance podcast. Katrina is the founder of Brand Financial Training. She and her team have been around since January 2008, providing CII exam candidates with immediately accessible quality learning resources. Her aim is to have happy customers who are passing their exams and progressing in their careers. A little known fact about Katrina is that she once ran a letting agency, which she described as a horrendous experience. So I don't think we're going to be talking about letting agencies today. So Katrina, welcome to the Empath Podcast. Hi Roger, thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. Not at all. And where whereabouts are we Skyping from today? I am in Chepstow, little, uh, well, little small town just across the bridge from Bristol. So we're quite near to Bristol, but we're in Wales only just. <laughs> and Katrina, today we're going to be talking about CIA exams and career progressions, and particularly we're going to focus on the Level 6 Chartered Advisor exam. But before we get to that, why not tell us a little bit about yourself, where you came from, what your career ambitions are. Basically, Katrina, what makes you tick? 
Yeah, well, I mean, I have, I do have a kind of a varied background in that, you know, my my first job, so to speak, was as, as an IT consultant way back in the 1990s. And then I dipped my toe in um, lettings for a while, as you just mentioned, <laughs> running a lettings agency that I thought I'd really enjoy, but I actually hated it. And then um, I retrained as a financial advisor. And uh, then I had a my first child and decided that it was a great time to fill what was then a gap in the market to help people who are sitting there. CII exams because obviously as I retrained as an advisor myself I had to go through what was then the FPC so things have changed a lot since then but um, I knew there was a bit of a gap there to provide resources to help exam candidates so uh, yeah when um, I had my my first child I then worked briefly as an advisor and then I branched out on my own and set up brand financial training back in well we launched early 2008 so uh, it's been what seven years now I don't know where seven years have gone but um, it's been I've learned a lot I've learned a lot about even more about exams than I've learned a lot about things like online marketing and social media and that kind of thing. But it's been great. I love having my own business and having my wonderful team and having flexibility in my life. So it's perfect. <laughs> I was just having a look at your website just before we started talking, Katrina, actually, the uh, the Brand Financial Training blog and the latest article, A Roller Coaster Ride to Make You Feel Shaky. And it's all about the CII AF3 exam. And there's a fabulous picture of a roller coaster, probably looks like Nemesis at Alton Towers or something particularly <laughs> scary. But the website's very comprehensive. Having looked through the website, there, I, I hadn't really realised how many CII exams there are. It must be 20 odd years since I last took a yeah. CII exam. So why, why not just give us a little feel for the sort of qualifications that people are taking these days in a financial services career? Well, now, these days, in the past few years, obviously with um, RDR, we had a lot more people having to gain the diploma. So um, we had people doing sort of the RO and the JO exams, still having lots of people doing those exams. But now we're also seeing people moving on to what's considered level six, which is the advanced diploma exams, just looking at CII in particular. So the advanced diploma AF exam. So there's AF one, two, three, four, five and six, because advisors now are kind of thinking, OK, well, we only have to be at diploma level. But, you know, is the bar going to be raised at some point? Are we going to have to suddenly have this mad rush to get to advanced diploma level, like kind of happened with a diploma and also because with the, certainly in the marketplace, people talk n more now about being chartered or certified. Indeed. And so lots of advisors want themselves to stand out more from the competition. And of course, firms can also be um, chartered or accredited. And so firms are wanting to take on more highly qualified advisors so they can get that um, accreditation as well. So we still do have people doing the sort of the lower level certificate level exams, but now it's more the diplomas and the advanced diploma exams, which uh, we see the most demand for. Let's just uh, dig a little bit deeper into what these levels mean, Katrina. I don't know much about the examination structure in the UK, but I think the levels are used across all industries. For example, yeah. uh, I took a, a yoga um, training course, <laughs> and, and that's at level three. And I believe right. that level three is a sort of slightly higher than A level, sort of maybe the first year of university sort of level so a level six qualification to me sounds like it must be almost like a postgraduate type level is that right yeah kind of um, i mean i was i was looking um recently on the various websites to do with this just to get the, the sort of the definite definition because it seems to vary widely how people look at them but um it's all to do with level levels um to do with the qualifications and credit framework okay 
So technically, um, for example, you were just talking about level three, and they say that's like an A-level. So in CII exam terms, level three is like your CAF exams, your CF1 and that kind of thing. Okay. Um, level four, as we, you know, everybody in financial services knows about, is a diploma level, which they say is like um, a bachelor's degree, but then they also say it can be like a foundation degree or a higher national certificate, so which is obviously less than a bachelor's degree. So there's a huge wide range there, really. Indeed. And then kind of levels five to seven, we're kind of looking at bachelor's degree and master's degree. So yeah, level six is kind of looking at master's, really, that kind of level. And then if you want to go on to level eight, then that's more like a doctorate. And where do you think the, the the standard is establishing itself? Are people heading towards level six as a as a general rule now? Well, certainly from our own experience, we are seeing more and more people who complete the diploma deciding just to carry on on you know the exam treadmill as some people see it onto level six because so many people believe that they're going to have to do it at some point anyway. They're going to be forced to do it, so why not do it now? Get ahead of the game. Aim, and also, you know, differentiate themselves from all the other advisors who all now have to be level four qualified. So there's, I definitely see a move to level six and more and more people are sitting the advanced diploma exams. And do you think that consumers recognize a level six chartered advisor status? Is that something that they're aware well, of? Well, yeah, see, this is, this, is, um, this is an interesting thing because as well as being chartered, which um, you can call yourself a chartered financial planner if you get the level six, if you, sorry, if you go the level six route with the CII, but you can also kind of the main sort of competitors for that is the certified financial planner, which you can do via the Institute of Financial Planning. And they're basically the same kind of level, but the CII's chartered is more kind of exam-based. Right. And the Institute of Financial Planning is a mix of sort of exam-based and, and sort of, what would you call it, maybe coursework-based, that kind of thing. Okay. So to get either chartered or certified, there's also other requirements like, you know, how long you've been working in the industry and all that kind of thing as well. But um, certainly in terms of consumers, you know, you, you kind of, people have heard of, you know, chartered accountants and chartered surveyors and that kind of thing. So the word chartered is pretty well known out there as just being a word that kind of means you know, you're well qualified or you're slightly better. Or, yes. You know, but the word certified, certainly from people I've spoken to generally, I've not done any in-depth research, but people I've spoken to, people don't really understand what certified means. And some people liken it to the word certificate and think of it as a lower level qualification, which is completely incorrect. Indeed, yes. Because if you're a certified financial planner or a chartered financial planner, you're, you're on the same level, you know, it's all to do with level six. So in terms of consumers, I, I think that really there's a huge education piece out there and consumers need to be educated in what all this means because they're becoming more and more aware of advisors needing to be more qualified. But I believe, and maybe I should do, maybe I should do some research into this. I'm going to stand on the street outside. <laughs> but if you ask somebody, you know, who's more qualified, you know, a chartered financial planner or a certified financial planner, I imagine that most people would say a chartered financial planner, which is obviously not correct. There's something a little bit strange about the word certified, isn't there? I don't know what it is, but when you just said it then, a level six chartered advisor or a certified advisor, there's just something 
different in the sound of it yeah. that, that makes you orientate your decision towards the chartered word instead of the certified word it's probably completely exactly. irrational it's just the way it feels i think it is completely irrational and i i believe it's just because going back we've had i don't know how long have chartered accountants and chartered surveyors and that kind of thing been around for i mean i don't even know years and years and years and so it's just a word that has now become sort of ingrained you know as it means you're super qualified so i think i think something does need to be done about that because it's it's not right that somebody should incorrectly think a chartered financial planner is better than a certified one. But interestingly, someone did say the other day they used the words "getting the killer combo." <laughs> um, they said I can't remember it was it was an advisor who we were having an online chat, and um, he said, "Well, why not become chartered and um, certified?" And it's kind of like, well, I guess you're covering all bases there. <laughs> absolutely. So you could <laughs> so be I a chartered a and certified financial advisor all in one go. So, yeah, I think it's all about educating the consumer. And then there's the question over, well, who should be educating the consumer? And oh, it, it gets difficult. I think education comes up on the podcast time and time again. It's not just terms like chartered and certified. It's just the whole of financial services in general and whether it should be taught in schools or whether it should be taught in colleges so that people start to understand what these terminologies mean and, and what financial services is all about at a younger age. Yeah, no, I, I do think that's very true. I mean, especially um, at the moment, there's with all the new pension rules and everything, there's a lot of talk about younger people not understanding about, you know, saving for their retirement Indeed. and how important that is and how, you know, if you have a, whether it's via pensions or whatever it's via, you know, the, the point of that money growing over, you know, from the age of 20 to the age of 65, 70 or whenever you retire, if you start saving at 20, you're going to have a far bigger pot than if you started at 30. And I think there's just, there's just not the understanding there. No. And then, you know, there's the, um, is it the, the PFEG? PF, oh, I can't remember, but the, the, the organization that are trying to get education more into schools, um, they're trying to, you know, address that a little bit. But again, it all comes down to education and the fact that if you say to a 20 year old about getting financial advice, it's like, well, I don't yeah. have any money. <laughs> what would I want? How boring. What would I want to do that for? I'm going to the pub. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and even if they had money, they'd be wanting to spend it on something much more exciting. Yeah, exactly. So I think, you know, qualifications is brilliant. And, you know, I think it's quite right that now, you know, everybody has, to, all advisors have to achieve level four. And I look back to when I um, retrained as an advisor and I had to do FPC one, two and three, which compared to the diploma is just, it's just crazy. You know, it's like chalk and cheese, yes. completely different. So thinking about the level six qualification, Katrina, it sounds like it's a fairly hefty investment of time to get to this level. Yeah. I mean, the exams are very difficult. I mean, there's no doubt about it. But obviously, if you, for example, if you deal with pensions on a daily basis, and that's kind of your thing, your specialization, then you're going to find it a lot easier to pass the pensions, the advanced um, pensions exam than people who actually don't deal with pensions much at all. Right. For each advisor, it will be different, but some will find some of the advanced diploma exams easier than the other ones. At the end of the day, cause, yeah, it's, it's, down, it's down to what you your background is but certainly we know some people who are actually very very new to the industry and they're obviously they're going down the CII route which is all exam based and they happen to be one of those people you know who are just brilliant at exams you know maybe they have a photographic memory or they just you know absorb information right and so they get the diploma in 
super quick time, like, you know, fall off your chair, you did it how quickly? <laughs> and then they've gone on to the advanced diploma. So they can become chartered if they go the CII route. But actually, um, they still need the experience to back it up. Right. Yeah, I mean, you do have to have experience as well to, to call yourself chartered. But even then, there's a chartered advisor and a chartered advisor, if you see what I mean. You've got somebody <laughs> with a minimum requirements, and then you've got somebody with 30 years experience, you know? Yeah. So on average, how long does it take to get to that level six status? Uh, now, I get asked this a lot, and, and I'm afraid the answer is, how long is a piece of string? <laughs> it depends. Um, <laughs> it really is. I mean, with the um, diploma exams, all of them except for one, you can sit pretty much at any time. You just book your slot and off you go. Okay. Um, except for RO6, which you, you can sit every three months. But with the AF exams, they're generally every six months, the exam's sitting. So, of course, that can delay you if you fail. Say, say you're going to sit AF1 in April. Right. Um, and you fail, then you're going to have to wait another six months to sit the exam again. So that could, you know, if you plan to do one AF exam every six months, that can set you back six months. So it really depends. Whereas we do actually have some people who sit more than one exam at once, which, you know, I think they're bonkers. I wouldn't do it. But some people, they, they're just focused on exams and they can do it. So it really, it really does vary as to how long it can take. And of course, you're in business to help people to yep. get to these uh, these qualifications. So tell us a little bit about how you started brand financial training. Was there a light bulb moment when you were sitting in a coffee shop or something when <laughs> all of a sudden realization dawned that uh, here was here was a business worth building? Well, see, here's the funny thing: I get asked this a lot, and I know it's you know it wasn't that long ago, but I honestly can't remember the exact moment. I do remember when I was sitting FPC 1, 2, and 3, and I also sat CF2 that had just come out. I think I did the first ever sitting of CF2. And um, I do remember looking about for resources other than what the CII produced. And there was some stuff out there, which was brilliant, but not a lot. So I knew instantly that there wasn't because I like to use stuff from lots of different sources from my personal, that's my personal way of doing things. So okay. I always knew that there was a lack of that in the market. I like to produce things. I'm very into, you know, my project is to produce a whole bunch of mock papers for whatever the exam is, for example. And it's like a, it's like a little mini project of its own. Okay. And that's, you know, so I, I kind of think in that way. And so, yeah, so I just started out when I realized I actually wanted to run my own business. I'd had enough of working for big companies with lots of red tape. At some point, although I can't remember where the point was, that just melded in with, well, hang on, you know, there's a gap for training and learning resources. And I just put the two together and thought, well, I'll give it a go. And uh, built a team of um, technical people. And um, now we've got the brand financial training. We've got, we've got a small team of people who are um, fellows of the PFS who do training and they write resources for the CII and elsewhere as well and they do them for us as well yeah so now we have a whole load of resources to help people with their CII exams some of which are suitable for some people some of which don't suit some people's learning style so we're really always open about that we're not going to pretend everything suits everybody because it doesn't but um certainly over the years and especially over the past probably about three or four years um, there's been a bigger and bigger demand for help with exams. And I think part of that's also because um, companies that people work for have been cutting back on paying for 
help with exams. So more and more, it's the individual exam candidates having to pay for things themselves. Yeah, I can remember when I did the CIA exams ooh, 20 years ago, we used to get a day off a week to study and they would, ah! they, they would pay for all the, uh, this was a product provider, they would pay for yeah. all the uh, materials and the books and this, that and yeah. the other. I'm sure that doesn't happen these days. So imagine I'm a, a financial advisor and I need to uh, get these qualifications, Katrina, and I come to you. What's the process that we go through to get me to achieve the results? Okay. Um, generally, when people come to us, they already know the path they're going to take. But we do get inquiries from people who are kind of like, um, you know, I need to, my employer needs me to get to diploma level. You know, maybe they work in support or something and they need to get to diploma level. What do, what do I do? And then I, the questions I always ask is, um, okay, so tell me a little bit about your background. Because some of these people have very little experience, whereas some of them might have actually been, you know, working, helping advisors with pension transfers, for example, for years. Yeah. Um, so it's find out about their background and that then that guides us towards, OK, where where are their strong areas and where are their weak areas? Because they have to do exams in both strong and weak areas. But at least, you know, where your quick wins might be. Of course. But especially now, it's very much okay, well, this is where you're at now. Okay, so maybe, for, an ex for example, somebody's wor working in a support role and they want to be an advisor, or maybe they've just entered the industry and they want to become a power planner, is just being sure that we understand where they want to be ultimately. Because um, we've also seen like an explosion in number of people um, wanting to be power planners. As a career, it's no longer seen as a stepping stone to be an advisor. It's a career all in itself, which I think is a great thing. Um, so yeah, it's just understanding where people want to get to because if actually people um somebody has no interest at all in becoming say chartered or whatever because that's not where they want their career to go then it'd be like well okay so let's look at diploma level exams which is although you can do the lower level certificate exams maybe you want to go straight into the diploma level and then look at okay so in what order do you want to sit those exams and then the other complication is always well okay if you sat any exams because if they've sat any CI exams or any exams from other institutes that can give them exemptions and it might give them a certain number of credits towards a qualification so it's really hard when people say okay what do I need to do it's not a case of do this this and this it's finding out more about where they've been, where they want to get to, and then sometimes they have to speak to the CII to get their learning statements so that we can see exactly where they've got credits. Because the whole the whole qualification thing is really complicated, to be honest. <laughs> Sounds it really like it. is. It's nuts. There's different levels, and then you get different number of credits for different exams, and you can just sit there scratching your head. It's almost a miracle anybody realises what they need to do. Why does everything have to be so complicated? That's I mean, it. <laughs> the, the, the financial services industry is complicated enough, and, and it's, yeah. just, it's just typical that the examination service and the examination structure is equally as complicated. So we've yeah. got the roadmap, um, and you've got a load of resources and test papers and support material to help people get through that. Why don't you just describe to to the listeners of the podcast some of the material that you have on offer? Okay, so um, for all exams, we covered nearly every single exam. There's just a couple that we don't at the moment, like um, J09, the power planning qualification, um, and AF6 we don't currently, currently cover. But other than that, for financial services exams, we always provide mock papers. These have been written by our sort of top-level technical authors. 
and, and we try and keep them in line as much as we possibly can with the sort of style of the CII's own specimen papers okay. that they provide. It's a really difficult job, to be honest, because sometimes there'll be a paper that somebody sets that will just be completely different from previous CII papers or Armok papers because something wayward has been thrown out there. Um, an example is the AF3 paper, which you mentioned earlier, we've done a blog post on. Um, last October's AF3 paper threw up some things that people were really not expecting and felt was really unfair. And I uh, know a friend of mine, um, John Reynolds from Expert Pensions, He he's tried to communicate with the uh, CII a bit about some of the kind of crazy curveballs that have been thrown out there a bit. And he's not really got very far in terms of getting answers as to are you changing the way the exams are set or, you know, what's going on? So um, we try to keep, you know, we try to keep our finger on the pulse in terms of what's going on with how papers are being set. And uh, we'll update ours accordingly. But it's more about don't don't do as many mock papers as you can so that you recognize questions because that really isn't going to work for the higher level exams. It's about use mock papers to see if you really understand the subject area. Because if you want really, truly understand the subject area, then really you should be able to answer pretty much most questions, even if they're worded in a different way. But I do know that a lot of people try and work on the premise, oh, I'll, rec I'll recognize the question. And that's not necessarily true anymore. Right, right. So yeah, so we provide mock papers and then we also provide um, study notes. Anybody who's ever sat a CII exam, because I don't think this has ever changed, will know the feeling of, you know, receiving the CII study text in the post and then opening it and just going, oh, my God, it's like a it's like a brick full of words. <laughs> <laughs> and unfortunately, some some are definitely better now, but a lot of them, you know, there's a lot of. I hate to use the word padding because, you know, somebody from the CII might shoot me. But <laughs> a lot of stuff that really could be condensed down. So our study notes are then definitely not meant as a replacement to the text. We always say you have to buy the study text as your basis for your studies. But our study notes are for when you're a bit further down the revision path. Okay. And are more of a at-a-glance guide to what's included. And then we have things like calculation workbooks because some people fail their exams based on just not being able to do calculations. So they need to practice like step-by-step -step how to do calculations. And then there are people who love to watch videos to learn or they love to listen to audios to learn. So we provide those as well. So we try our best to provide a mix of resources that suit different people. So, for example, our study notes. Some people love our study notes. Some people hate our study notes, you know, <laughs> because some people love to read things that have been condensed down. Whereas other people are like, well, it's just a series of bullet points. You know, <laughs> there's no detail. You know, so some people love them because it's exactly what they want. And some people hate them because it's exactly what they don't want. But, you know, we can't be everything to everybody. So you've put together a lot of material and the business has been around since 2008. So it's very successful. What would yeah. you say was the one big idea that you'd like those people who are listening to the Empath podcast today to take away from the experience you've had building brand financial training? I think I think the big thing is very few people achieve things overnight or become successful overnight. And I think that's true for if you're running a business. I think it's true if you sit in exams. I think it's it's true in, in so many things. Um, you know, people you hear about overnight successes. Oh, they became, you know, a big name in financial advice overnight. Well no, they probably didn't. They've probably been working for years. 
towards towards that and it's like running a business certainly when uh, I launched brand financial training it was very small scale we only covered well back then there was only the very lower level exams anyway but we only covered them and we started off just providing mock papers and we just had to build it kind of week by week month by month we just started with what we had and then we built the business by producing more products, writing more resources, listening to our customers and what they wanted. And so, yeah, it's taken eight years to get to where we are now. And there's no way I could have started the business and within six months had all these resources that we now have because it takes time and effort and money to produce these things. So I, I think the point is there's no such thing as an overnight success. But, you know, if you want to be successful at whatever it is that you do, just get your plan in place, you know, get a plan in place and step by step go through your plan. So if, if for you, your aim, in, aim is to become a really well-known chartered or certified financial planner, then, you know, start at the first step, which is to get your diploma. Then, you, you know, get your experience and get the advanced diploma. So there's all lots of little steps, but get started, you know. I think what you're saying is there's no magic bullet no it's hard work and you need a plan and you need a direction and then it's one foot forward after the other exactly exactly there is no magic bullet if there was and i was selling those i would be a millionaire (laughs) (laughs) katrina talking about the level six qualification do you think that that will eventually become the compulsory level of qualification for a financial advisor ah well i'm asked that a lot (laughs) it's another question i'm asked a lot Personally, and this is purely a personal point of view, I can't imagine it won't be. Um, And I really don't think it would be a bad thing at some point in the future. But I think there has to be a very, very decent lead time for people to get to that level six. With um, RDR and getting to level four, it was kind of like a mad crazy rush for a lot of people. So it would have to be, you know, a sensible length of time for people to get to level six. But having said that, nobody actually knows And in fact, I read recently that um, the Director General of the APFA, Chris Hannant, he actually said the APFA wouldn't support any regulatory requirement to increase the standard to level six, which I was, to be honest, quite surprised about because um, I always kind of had it in my mind that, you know, most bodies would support the increase to level six. So I don't know the ins and outs of why they wouldn't support it. That wasn't, um, that information wasn't there. But um, so will the bar be raised to Level six, I think so. Prove me wrong, whatever. (laughs) Maybe it will be, maybe it won't. Katrina, thank you for such a fascinating insight into your business. I hadn't quite realised how complex the examination uh, system had got, but it sounds like you provide excellent resources for people to enable them to achieve their goals. Before we go, I always like to finish the Empath podcast with a quick fire round of business questions. Are you happy to stay for a couple more minutes to do that? Okay, I'll try. Here we go. If there was one thing that you could change about the financial services industry, perhaps by waving the proverbial magic wand, what would it be? Okay, this one's really easy for me. It would be to make it more accessible for women who have had children and who want to get back into work in the financial services industry in a part-time capacity, for sure. What's the one business model or a product or a campaign that's caught your attention in the last year? Tell us what it was and what you liked about it. This actually caught my attention long, uh, longer ago. That doesn't make sense, but further back than the last year. But I've got more and more interest in the last year. And that's in, funnily enough, podcasting. Yes. Podcasting to tell people about your business, to share information with um, customers 
listeners and it's, it's i just think podcasting is a is a great thing you can listen to podcasts in your car when you're out at the gym all that kind of thing and i was involved in radio when i was younger and so I, we hope to get into podcasting shortly as well but that's that's my thing I one, <laughs> one of the best things about podcasting that i've learned since i've started is is that I learn so much just having conversations with people like yourself. Right, yeah. I, I bet you do, yeah. And I'm sure when we get going on ours as well, that's going to be exactly the same thing, talking to people in the industry, yeah. Tell us about an app or a gadget that's made a huge difference to your life and your business. Very recently, this is this is to do with my business, really, because that's what I use most apps for. Of course. Um, is CoSchedule. It's an, I don't know if you've heard of CoSchedule. It's an, it's a WordPress pl- plugin. Right. And basically, it helps you with your blog posts. It helps you with scheduling your blog posts and also making a schedule for uh, tweeting about your blog post or maybe posting to LinkedIn. Because juggling all these different balls, you know, you're posting to your blog and you're, you're keeping yourself active on Twitter and on LinkedIn and for some people, Facebook and all that kind of thing. This kind of puts it all in one place. And I tell you, it has just made my life wonderful. and finally what's the best business book you've ever read tell us why you like it so much and what you took from it right see i've had to think about this because you did mention you might ask this question i can't actually give you (laughs) the best business book i've ever read and i'll tell you why i i have always devoured books like i'm a huge reader i love listening to podcasts but if i could get an audio book or a book that's you know a paper copy um, rather than you know something on your Kindle, uh-huh. I will have a paper copy of a book any day, <laughs> and I will literally—I'm a really fast reader, so I devour books. And I have read so many business books, mainly to do with um, motivation and also internet marketing. That I honestly couldn't couldn't give you a single one. I am at the moment though reading um, *The Organized Mind*. Okay. And I've completely forgotten who wrote that now, but um, that's all about how you know in this information age, there's so. There's so many bits of information being thrown at us all the time. And, you know, how do you compartmentalize all this stuff and how do you deal with it all? And that's, you know, that's my latest book anyway. And it's one of the wonderful business books I've read. And before we sign off, Katrina, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of people want to get in touch with you to find out about how you can help them. And I'll publish all your contact details on the show notes for this podcast. And that's at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF. But why don't you tell people how they can contact you on Twitter, LinkedIn, your website, email, whatever it is? Yeah. Okay. Well, um, first of all, on Twitter, uh, my Twitter handle is at Katrina Brand. And I'm going to spell my name because it's a ridiculous name. It's C-A-T-R-I-O-N-A, like Catriona. So at Katrina Brand, um, you can connect with us there. Our website is brandft.co.uk. So brand and then F for financial, T for training.co.uk. On LinkedIn, if you just search for brand financial training, we will pop up. And uh, I am always more than happy to get emails from people. And um, I always reply to anybody that emails me looking for help or information or advice. So feel free to email me. So it's Katrina, spelled C-A-T-R-I-O-N-A, at brandft.co.uk. Katrina, thank you so much for talking to me today. It's been fascinating to hear your stories about the CII and about the examination system. Let me wish you every success in the future, and hopefully we can catch up again soon. Brilliant. Thanks, Roger. listening to the marketing protection and finance podcast 
do, please look at the show notes at rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash MPAF for links to the apps and topics and books we discussed. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a review on iTunes. Simply visit rogeredwards.co.uk forward slash iTunes and leave a review. If you are a provider or advisor or journalist and you have a product, campaign or business model you'd like to talk about, please get in touch. You could be the next guest on the show. And do remember, nothing we talk about on the show is financial advice of any kind. It's all just thoughts and opinions, okay? Okay.